Welcome to another David McCracken Ministries podcast. We hope this message inspires and encourages you. It's great joy, great privilege to be with you. And uh, it's wonderful that in a younger contemporary church, they still allow dinosaurs on the platform. Turned 75 last week and been ministering, ministering now for 56 years plus. And uh, about 32 years ago, I was, I was living in New Zealand. I flew across to speak at a pastor's gathering in uh, here, South Australia. Um, and um, this man walked into the meeting, sat down in the front row, and I had a prophetic word for him and the tears were coming down here. Didn't know who he was. And uh, the Lord said, I want you to serve that man and his offspring forever. And it happened to be Pastor Andrew Evans. And um, it's been one of the great joys and privileges of my life. And uh, I, I say that not lightly. It, it is one of the great joys and privileges of my life. And I love the Evans family on every part of them. And uh, it's excited to serve in whatever little way I can to see what God puts in their hearts come to pass. And uh, about a week ago, a little bit more than that, I knew nothing, nothing. No one had breathed a word to me about any changes of any description. And, but the Lord uh, woke me up one morning. Pastor Josh had said, uh, would you like to speak in the city campus? And, and my initial response was no, uh, um, because I'm going to have a celebration till all hours on the Saturday night. And I want to hear Pastor Ashley preach. Uh, but the following morning, um, Father woke me up at the most ungodly hour, which I blame on you, um, and um, took me aside and, and said, I want to show you what their future looks like. And immediately I saw this uh, series of dark, dark, dark cities, like storms and dark cities. And then I saw a lighthouse with these beams of light going, three beams of light going out. And um, that's where it all started. And I knew Father was saying something to us. And uh, I still knew nothing when I arrived last night. And uh, I spoke to Pastor Ashley briefly before the celebration. I said, I'll tell you something I've seen. And he just went. <laughs> and he said, uh, that, you know, uh, there's a significance. You'll hear about it later tonight. Uh, and so it was a great joy. And tonight, uh, this morning rather, I want to unpack to you the amplified version. In other words, what I wasn't able to share with Pastor Ashley because, well, because I didn't have 20 minutes to do it in, okay? I don't know why this thing here uh, keeps telling me I should be connecting to Wi-Fi. I keep saying no and it keeps saying yes, so that's all right. How many know that we don't need iPads and we don't need anything much other than the Holy Ghost? Um, I, I love the Holy Spirit. He's our best friend. And if we learnt more to depend on Him than anything else, we'd be in a very good place. And so why don't we open a prayer? Father, we, we're so grateful for Your wonderful love for us. 
Oh, it's indescribable. I pray that everybody in this building this morning will above all sense your love for them as an individual. Father, that they'll see themselves not just as Christians, but as your sons and your daughters that you love indescribably and accept unconditionally. Let the wonder of your love for them settle upon their hearts, Father. We ask you, Lord, that the Holy Spirit now will cause this, these lips, Father, to accurately represent your very heart and intent this morning, that you and our King Jesus will only receive the honor in Jesus' name. Amen. The picture that the Lord showed me a week ago uh, before I knew anything about any of all this was of these darkened cities and then I saw the lighthouse and I felt that fathers say that influences now, stroke futures, um, is called to be a lighthouse in a darkened city. That was a phrase he gave. A lighthouse of hope in a city of hopelessness. And so I believe with all my heart that as the world gets darker and the cities that are in that world get darker and darker, morally, spiritually, in every way darker, the brightness of the light of Jesus will shine forth into those communities. And what I saw was a lighthouse of hope. And I saw city after city being planted, um, uh, not only the cities that you're in now, but more yet to come where the lighthouse of hope was being planted. And um, as I peered into it, and this is what um, becomes apparent now when I look at these slides and things, but I knew nothing of that, I, I saw that the lighthouse was actually beaming out three lights. But each, what I saw was that each of those elements of light, those beams of light, were, were critically important to each other. They were codependent on each other. And, and you know, the Bible's very clear about that. that it's a free, uh, threefold cord that's not easily broken. Uh, the Trinity itself is threefold. You know, God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And so uh, mouth of three witnesses, let a thing be established. You'll find that throughout Scripture, God loves to bring something in the plurality of three uh, um, because somehow there's a balance, somehow there's a wholeness, somehow there's a unity that brings about such incredible impact and power when those three elements are together. And that's why when I saw this lighthouse beaming into this darkened city again and again and again, always it was the three beams of light that was essential. And so what I want to share with you this morning is not choose one of these. You either choose three or the other two won't work. And so I really want to stress that to you. And the other thing I would say that because uh, I go back some, you're maybe 30 years, but some maybe have never seen this before. We've never connected. But I want to say this about the prophetic. It's not what will happen. It's what God intends to happen. Unless you embrace God's prophetic intention with great intentionality, 
with great resolve, with great determination, with great action, then it will not take place. And so when God declares his prophetic will into your life as an individual or corporately together, unless you embrace and pursue with intentionality, it cannot take place. Uh, the three beams of light, equally dependent one on the other, were compassion, power, and truth. And I, and I just take a few moments with you this morning to amplify that a fraction. When I looked at the first beam of light, it was, and it was the first one that grabbed my attention, was compassion. And throughout the Gospels, you will find that Jesus was moved with compassion. Constantly, you find just before a miracle takes place, he was moved with compassion. When he saw the multitude that were hungry, he was moved with compassion. Everywhere you take a look, in Matthew 20, verse 34, um, when he saw the blind people, it says that Jesus had compassion and touched their eyes and immediately their eyes received sight and they followed him. And so compassion opened the eyes of the blind. Uh, uh, you know, without the compassion, there's no credibility for the truth or the power. And so compassion opens the door for the power of God and the truth of God to be accepted. Unless you're willing to be a people of compassion, you can't expect people to receive the message that you carry. And so John 11 is the story of Lazarus. And you find that uh, here's this family that Jesus loves so much, Mary, Martha and Lazarus. And Lazarus died. And, and he's been dead. People, he was dead for four days. And not to be indelicate, but the Bible's clear, says that he actually started to decay after four days in the tomb. And then we find this. 11, John 11, 35 is the shortest verse in the Bible. He's got to be one of the most powerful Jesus wept. Jesus wept. And verse 36, then the Jews said, see how he loved him. How he loved him. Not how smart he was, not how gifted he was, not how, uh, uh, um, um, what a powerful image he had. No, no, no. How he loved him. And his compassion, his compassion for Lazarus and his sisters caused a dead man for four days to stand up and walk out of a tomb. I am wondering, people, that with all of our prayers for the miraculous, we ought to be praying for compassion. Because if you feel what your father feels for mankind, if you feel what Jesus feels for mankind, then you'll see the outcome that Jesus saw. That I, I believe that God is waiting for a church to arise around the globe that is moved with compassion who are motivated by compassion. You see, compassion isn't saying, oh, isn't that a sorry looking sight? Oh, I feel for them, that's terrible, that's terrible. No, because the difference between that sympathy and compassion is that compassion always motivates. Compassion motivates involvement, intervention, action. 
My friends, listen to me. You want to see miracles? You really want to see miracles in your place of influence and environment? Then pray for more compassion. Pray that you'll feel what he feels. Do you know that I start practically every day of my life, including this morning, and make a simple little prayer? People say, well, where do these prophetic words come from? Well, um, some of the miracles, I got a book. Oh, don't worry, I haven't got it here to sell to you. I mean, you can get it on the website if you want. But it's called You Did What? That's what it's called. You Did What? And it's, it's 56 years of the most insane miracles. You, If I told you four or five of them now, you'd think I was totally exaggerating, but I'm not. Well, I've seen many, many, many incredible, I mean, talking about creative miracles. And people say, well, where does that prophetic come from? Where does it? I'll tell you where it comes from. It comes from a very simple prayer I make in the mornings. Father, let me feel what you feel. Let me see what you see. Let me hear what you hear. That simple little prayer. Every day of my life, including this one. Father, let it all start with me feeling what you feel. Let me see what you see. If, you, if, you, if compassion consumes you, miracles are not far away. And, there, and then um, because of the nature of some of the people that you will be touching and, and getting, uh, I feel increasingly, um, the, the unlovely, the untouched, the, the, the uh, people that society would walk around. Uh, let me say this to you from John chapter 8. It's a story of a woman that's been caught in adultery and in those days that was automatic stoning. And so the religious leaders got together to stone her to death. And Jesus starts in on the scene and he's holiness personified. There is nobody more righteous than Jesus and yet he doesn't condemn her. He gets down on a knee beside her and then looks up at the religious leaders and begins to write something in the ground. We don't know what he wrote, but whatever it is, they took one look and ran for the cover. Okay, I think he probably wrote all their sins in the ground, you know. And, and then we find this statement in John, 10 and 11, John 8, sorry, verses 10 and 11. When Jesus had raised himself up and saw that no one but the woman, in other words, everybody else had just disappeared. He said to a woman, where are those accusers of yours? Has nobody left to condemn you? She said, no one, Lord. And Jesus said, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. And my friends, broken people don't need your learning, your smarts, or your judgment. Broken people need compassion. Okay, so your lighthouse of hope, a people of compassion. Secondly, you're called to be a lighthouse of hope by being a people of power. Now, I really want to lean into this, and I'm going to run over time. I can tell that already. That's all right. I've, I've never run under time in my life. Okay. Acts 1.8 is one of the best known scriptures in the Bible, but, but so critically needed in the church of the Western world right now. You shall receive power when the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And if you're filled with the Holy Ghost 
and you're still living a life that you can live in the natural, then something is missing because the Holy Spirit is given that you might live a supernatural life. We're all called to be a supernatural people living a supernatural life representing a supernatural Christ. When, if you can handle life, I'm sorry for you, really. I can't handle life, but in the power of the Holy Ghost. I mean, in this in the last few months, I've had a coronary. I have had a quintuple bypass. That's five, unless you can't count. The average bypass takes two and a half hours on the operating table. I was seven and a half hours. They had a fight for me, okay? And that was just a few months ago. And then when I got started to recover from that, you see, they told me I'll be five days in ICU, five days in CCU, eight days, no, eight days in CCU, eight days in rehab, and then you, I'd have to learn to walk. And because they carved me up, they carved my arms, they carved a leg, they did harvesting out of all the rest of the body, they separated my lungs. Um, it was quite an operation, all right? And um, so, I, I'm, do I look dead to you? What makes a difference? The guy that had the exact same operation as I had on the same day as I had it, 20 years younger. And the day that I walked out of that hospital after five days, not eight, five days, not eight, and none in rehab at all. And I, when I walked out the door, the guy that had had the operation that morning they were still struggling to get him to sit up in bed. I'm not exaggerating. I heard the conversation. They were trying to get him to engage with life again, and I was walking out of the hospital. What makes a difference? Wonderful Holy Spirit. I tell you what, we need, we need to lean into him more and more and more. Um, and can I just encourage you to live an empowered life? Don't settle for what you can handle. Get a hunger for a new impact, an encounter with the Holy Spirit. I find this is being said all over the world right now. And I got my ear to the ground. God is getting very, very urgent about calling his church back to being a supernatural people. And we have got to get a hunger and an appetite and a craving desire for the work of the Holy Spirit in our life. Because I'm talking about compassion, power, and truth. But I tell you now, you can have all the compassion in the world and you can have all the truth in the world. But if you haven't got the power of the Holy Ghost, you're nothing supernatural is going to happen. The third element is truth. The third beam of light was truth. But I cannot stress this enough. If you're not a people of compassion and you're not a people of the supernatural in the Holy Ghost, then don't expect them to receive the truth. Because most of the world and the church has had enough of people that built the Bible but, don't, but it doesn't mean anything. Nothing ever changes. There's no solutions. But the truth is essential. The Word of God is undeniably the only thing that God responds to. Do you know, we talk about the supernatural, but I'll tell you now, the Holy Ghost is only 
there to obey those that first obey the Word. The, the, the miracles of Jesus was only because of one thing. He did what his father said. People today that want the power of the Holy Ghost but will not live their lives according to the dictates of the Word of God, the Bible, they're on a, they're on a embarkation. It's a journey that's going to end in absolute disillusionment. This world needs truth. And I'm sorry to zero in you again, Polo, but that's what's written on his thing. Uh, um, but the truth has got to be declared. If you've got the power of the Holy Ghost and compassion in your heart, then they'll, they'll take the truth. They'll take the truth. Um, and I, I want to just say this to you. John 8.32 is so essential. And you shall know the truth. And it's the truth that shall make you free. People have got to understand that freedom is not the absence of restraint. Freedom is coming under divine government. I've never felt freer in my life. Just ask my wife. I mean, I'm, they refer to me as an explosion in a mattress factory going somewhere to happen. I don't live a restrained life. I have never felt more free and alive. But that's because I'm under divine command. The Bible isn't an opinion. The Bible is the Word of God. Do this and I'll do that. And everybody wants God to do that, but will not live their life according to this. It's ridiculous. And so this morning, my time's up, but listen to me. There are three beams of light. And if they can be if they can be embraced in codependence and shone with an intensity and a vibrance into the lives of your cities, I'm telling them now, it's irresistible. The light is irresistible. People aren't sick of Jesus. They're sick of what they thought was the church. But I tell you what, when they see Jesus, Oh, they'll love him because you can't see Jesus in reality and for who he really is without loving him. And our call is to represent him as a lighthouse of hope in darkened cities. And I want to say to every one of you as an individual, you have your own area of influence in life. You have those that God has placed into your world. Be, be that lighthouse of hope to them. Be the one that brings to them the compassion of Jesus, the, the power of the Holy Spirit, and the love of Father's heart revealed in the truth. My friends, my chime's up, but, but listen to me. Make 2023 the year of passion. Make 2023 the year of abandonment. Make 2023 the year when you cross the line and good enough is not enough. I've got to have a new hunger for the Holy Ghost. I pray that the future in the future's church will be filled with people, filled with people that are irresistible in the life that they lead. And the people of our communities and cities will be drawn to the light that shines from you personally. God bless you. It's a joy to be with you. Amen. Thanks for listening. 
For more content, head to our website, davidmccracken.org.